Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. John chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I see some people looking in their Bibles, so I'm giving them about a minute, <laughs> a second. So John chapter 15, 1 through 11 says as follows. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The title of my message this morning is The Joy of Pruning. And we're going to walk through these scriptures a little bit this morning. And to start off and give you a little bit of context of this passage, Jesus had already entered into Jerusalem. And he had been having intimate time with his disciples. He had communion with them. He washed the disciples' feet. And these conversations he's having with them is right before he's arrested and taken to start his journey of what would take him to the death of the cross. In chapters 14 through 16 in the book of John, Jesus is having these intimate conversations with his disciples. Theologians call these chapters the farewell discourse, which is a fancy way of saying the farewell conversations. In chapter 14, he speaks to his disciples about how he is the way, the truth, and the light, and about the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is our advocate. In chapter 15, he speaks to the disciples about how he is a true vine, and they are to remain in him to produce much fruit. He also goes on to tell them that they will be hated by the world, and that the spirit of truth will testify about him. He continues to talk to his disciples in chapter 16 about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how their sadness will be turned into joy. He also tells them that he's going to go back to the Father. And as he wraps up chapter 16, he tells his disciples that they will go through trials and sorrows, but to take, but to take heart, for he has overcome the world. 
Jesus is having these heart-to-heart moments right before he's taken to get crucified. He starts that journey. And these conversations are so, are so deep and important to Jesus that in John 16, 12, he tells them, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. So as we dive in, be ready. Now, I got to give you a disclaimer. I am a teacher at heart. So can I do a little bit of teaching this morning? Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so let's look at the verse, the first verse for the first four verses again. Verse one says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. In some versions of the Bible, you see the word vine dresser and husbandman. They all in the Greek language mean the same thing, which is worker of the soil. All three of them are called to be cultivators. Husbandmans, you guys are called to cultivate your family and wives. But we're going to leave that message for another day. We're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> In verse 2, <laughs> he cuts off every branch of mine. I love this because he makes this so personal to him. Every branch of mine that doesn't bear or produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned, speaking to his disciples, and purified by the message I have given you. Jesus is using this illustration so that disciples can truly understand the message God is, I mean, Jesus is telling them. We see a similar illustration in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18 where we hear the message of the potter and the clay. I want to make the connections this morning about how grapevines are pruned and how God prunes us. Just out of curiosity, has anyone seen what a grapevine looks like? Yes. I did bring a picture for those of you who have not seen it. It's a beautiful picture. Look at that. Beautiful pictures loaded with grapes, the vine, the branches, right? As an educator, I look at words when I read because I love how they can impact the way we interpret things. So this morning, we're going to look at some specific words in this passage. And the first word is the word prune in verse 2. The, word, the Greek word for prune is katharo, and I did not do that word justice. I don't speak Greek, right? And this word is an action word, okay? And it means to clean properly from wrong mixture, from filth, impurity, etc. Webster's Dictionary defines it as to cut off dead or unwanted parts of a bush or a tree, or to cut out useless or unwanted parts. Pruning is done to selectively remove unsuitable or extraneous branches. Pruning is done to achieve a balance between fruit production and adequate but not excessive growth. Farmers prune their grapevine carefully so that they can increase their fruit capacity. There are two areas in our lives that God usually is constantly pruning, and that is our character and our thought life. God prunes us, changes us, cleans us from things in our lives that do not align to God's word so that we can be all that we're called to be in Jesus and produce fruit. When it comes to character, character, 
Dr. Tim Keller states it this way. The spirit-fueled development of Christ-like character is liberating because it brings us closer to being the people we were designed to be. The people our spirit-renewed hearts wants us to be. Each and every one of us, I'm, I'm hoping, right? We're aiming to be like Christ, correct? Right? We want to be like Christ. We want the character of Christ in us. However, there are things in our lives that many times we carry that God needs to cut off so that we can bear fruit. Pruning causes us to grow and become more like Christ. Sometimes we tend to carry dead weight, dead branches that God is wanting to cut off of us because dead things do not produce fruit. God also prunes our thought lives. In Romans 12:2, it says, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, there's that big word there, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, perfect, I'm sorry, good and pleasing and perfect. Do you know why so many people have a hard time learning God's will for their lives? They haven't allowed God to transform the way they think. Your belief system will always drive your behavior. So if your belief system and your way of thinking is not aligned to God's word, believe you me, your behavior will reflect that. Okay? And I get passionate about this because I just love words. The word transform in Greek is metamorpho, which means changing after being with. Changing after being with. The only way change comes into our life is after we have been with Jesus. We need to be intentional about the time that we spend with Jesus in his presence, in his word. Being with him changes us. It changes our thinking. It doesn't leave us the same. God helps us through that process demolish thoughts that are not aligned to his word. And when we spend time with God and allow him to prune our character, allow him to prune our thinking, then we can learn God's will for us. But this only happens when we're being with Jesus. We have to be willing to allow God to prune our thinking and help us get rid of thoughts, beliefs, and lies that are messing us up. Messing us up. Now, in order to care for a grapevine, it is essential that the vine dresser, the gardener, the husbandman, has learned to work with grapevines to produce the right plant size, shape, and productivity. The pers that person needs to know exactly how to do the weeding and fertilizing and insect and pest control to properly prune and assure a good harvest. God, our Heavenly Father, knows each of us by name. And since he is the gardener, he knows exactly what we need and how. He knows the how and how to prune us. 
my journey of pruning is not going to look like yours. Your journey of pruning is not going to look like mine. And God knows that. And I love how he has uniquely created us and knows how to uniquely prune us, right? He knows everything about us and what it would take for us to show that good fruit. Grapevines are also pruned in stages. They're not pruned all the time. They're actually pruned annually and through the winter and early spring season. If they get constantly pruned, they will have that excessive pruning will lead to undercropping situations. God doesn't prune us all at once. He prunes us in stages. Our human nature won't be able to handle the pruning that we all need sometimes at one time. I don't know about you, but I'll be like, nope, not today. <laughs> not that one, you know. Pruning happens in stages. Now, I have a picture here. Um, there it is. This is a grapevine beginning to flourish its leaves, right? Its branches. And I love this because it, you can clearly see the vine, right? The vine. Who's the vine in our lives? Jesus, right? And because Jesus is divine, I mean, he is divine, but we're talking about the vine, right? Um, he holds it all together. It's through that vine that the branches get life from. As followers of Jesus Christ, we produce from the essence of who Jesus is. Now, during the growing season, which is the next picture, these branches start to get all tangled up because they're growing. They're, as you can see, they're long. And because they start getting tangled up, the gardener, the vine dresser, needs to carefully, they use the word comb through it during its season of growth. Sometimes there are areas in our lives that got pretty tangled up. And God, our vine dresser, comes and goes through the process of combing us, which means detangling us. And boy, oh boy, do we have some, some things tangled up in our lives sometimes, don't we? In a grapevine, when gardeners comb these tangles out, they end up getting good results. The vines get better buds for the following year. It reduces less tangling and improves sunlight exposure and more air circulation. When these vines are not tangled, it is easier to prune and produce that better fruit. So when God is combing us out, he is preparing us. He is untangling all those things to prepare us to be in the right position to be pruned and produce good fruit. And guess what? The, this, the, the, the detangling part happens before he actually starts pruning. Our thought life needs to be untangled. Our concepts, precepts need to be untangled and aligned to God's truth. Listen, now in this time that we're living in, our identities need to be untangled a bit. The church, not just the world, but the church overall, we're going through some identity crisis. 
And we need to know who we are in Christ, what God says about us, who we are, so that we can produce the fruit that comes from the vine. Now, throughout this time, <laughs> there are certain tools that a gardener uses to prune the grapevine. And I'm going to show you these tools. One-year-old vines use a hand pruner. Obviously, they're one-year-old. They use more of a lighter equipment, right? I don't like this. Now, two- to three-year-old vines use a bigger pair of scissors, or I don't know what they're called. I, they, they call them loopers. Um, to prune their vine. Now, mind you, the branches for this one are not as thick as this one, right? Because they've had time to grow. Now, for the ones that are over two years old, be careful. they go from this to now this. Now this is a small one. Out in the field, they're pretty big, okay? Because the vine now, the vine branches here are not as thick as what you need because they're growing, right? There are three tools that God uses in our lives to prune us. And those tools are his word, Holy Spirit, and trials and afflictions. Okay? Let's look at God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, super than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I love this. This book is alive. It's powerful. It's got life into it. It's not just any random book that you pick up and read. This right here changes us. It changes us and it gives us an attitude heart check. It aligns our thoughts. It's a mirror to our souls. 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 says, "All scripture is God breath and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We love the teaching part of it. We do. But we don't like it when we get rebuked and corrected. And that's where we actually grow. And I love that God's word trains us for righteousness. Righteousness doesn't come automatic. It just doesn't. We're sinful people, our flesh. We need training in that. How do we get training? By spending time in his word and uh, applying this word. John um, 17, 17 says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Make us holy through his what? Through his truth, through his word, right? The problem today is that people are not taking the time out to read God's word. 
Listen, Bible apps, devotionals, books, all those things are great. If you go to my house, you will see I have several bookshelves full of books. I love reading books. But the only book that has the power to change me, to change us, is this right here. It is the living word of God. And we need to take time out to study and dig into God's word. This is a personal walk. Pastor Eric and Pastor Ryan, they come up here and they feed us phenomenal messages. It, it, it hits us home. We take it and we run with it. But guess what? That's not enough. It's when we take time to be in here and allow God individual personal time to be here and allow God to prune us. And I, heard, I hear a lot, especially new people, they tell me, well, I don't know how to read God's word. I don't know how to start. Beautiful. We're all here. We're a family. We're here to help, right? But at the end of the day, there's things in the Bible I sometimes don't understand. And there's things where I have to literally invite the Holy Spirit and ask, Holy Spirit, teach me your word. And I challenge you, if you don't understand the Bible that well, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask him. Holy Spirit, show me, reveal to me, teach me what I need to get from your word today. And Holy Spirit will do that. The next tool is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person in our lives that empowers us to live an abundant life in Jesus. Holy Spirit is constantly working in our lives because he is always at work. Change is certain to happen. Here are a few things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Holy Spirit gives us a new life in Jesus. Titus 3, 4 through 5 says, But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us a new birth. He gives us that new life. The Holy Spirit also sanctifies us. In 1 Peter 1, 2, it says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. He has sanctified us through his spirit. And again, the process of sanctification, which for me is another way of saying pruning, is a process, right? The Holy Spirit comforts us and teaches us. John 14, 26 says, but the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. He is our comforter, and he teaches us. 1 John 2.27 says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as, you has, just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. That word remain just keeps popping up, right? Remain. The Holy Spirit is our helper and intercessor. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. He also helps in our weaknesses. He is our help. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where you just come to Jesus and you just don't have words. And you're just like crying and groaning. That's the Holy Spirit interceding for you. Because he knows exactly what to say when we don't have the words to say it. In John 14, 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Again, Holy Spirit is our helper. Holy Spirit reveals and guides us into all truth. John 16, 1, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, right? And the last example, but not the least, because there's a lot of things the Holy Spirit is in our lives. He testifies to Jesus in us. John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. It is the Holy Spirit that bears witness in us about Jesus. Now, the last tool God uses are trials and afflictions. I don't know about you. Does anybody here like going through trials and afflictions? Nobody likes to. I knew that was coming. Ugh, that word. However, I'm going to challenge your perspective this morning on how to look at trials and afflictions. And James 1, 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. How many of you guys have ever seen a trial and say, yay, here we go? No, right? But I think that that's one of the things God continually prunes in us. Because he says, consider it a great joy. For you know that when your, test, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Your faith is going to be tested. Your belief system about who God is or your beliefs, they're going to be tested. Our character is going to be tested, right? And it's through those things that God prunes us. What the problem is is that we tend to quick, we tend to be very quick to rebuke and blame the devil for everything. Oh, I rebuke you. And guess what? Sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes God allows us to go through specific situations in order to prune something in our lives. And that's the reality of the matter. It's not always the enemy. And guess what? When you know that there's a spiritual attack, God uses that to prune us too. There's always something God is trying to teach us in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of an affliction. God uses trials to prune our character in order for us to have the substance to do the things he's called us to do. Many times people go into a certain role and they don't have the character to sustain it. And that's why it's so important for us to allow the Holy Spirit to prune us. So when we step in that role, our character 
is able to sustain, right? Trials are training grounds. Don't go around cursing your trials and, and afflictions. You don't know what God is using that trial and affliction for your behalf. Now, farmers make the biggest mistakes. Mistake, it's not a mistake, it's a mistake. And the biggest mistake farmers do when it comes to pruning is that they don't prune hard enough. I read that and I was like, yikes. Because light pruning doesn't promote adequate fruit. And we tend to only allow God to prune the light areas of our lives. Ah, you can touch this, but please don't touch this. Leave that right there. You can have this part of me, but no, I'm not willing to give you this. Don't touch that. That's off limits. But for you to produce the greatest quality of fruit, God must prune in all those areas. And those deep areas in our lives where we don't want to surrender to him. Because it hurts, and there's shame and guilt, and sometimes we walk around thinking like God can't see them. <laughs> God sees it. All he's waiting for you is to expose it to him so he can do what he wants to do, right? And there's things like bitterness, unforgiveness, trauma, jealousy, pride. Fear, religion, shame, lust, manipulation, there's slander sometimes, and greed, pornography, rage, gossip, and I'm going to say it, church hurt. We need to allow God to step in and prune off those useless, unwanted parts so that he can bear much fruit in us. Do you know that you were never meant to carry that? You were never meant to carry the weight of sin and pain over your life. Jesus took care of that on the cross. Jesus died to carry your pain, to carry your weight, to carry our shame, our sin, but we go around carrying the weight of that and we're walking around just heavy. And Jesus is like, can you please give it over to me? Can you let me cut that off of you so that you're walking in freedom and walking free from that? That's what the cross is for. So when we allow God to prune us through his word, through the Holy Spirit and to trials, then we start aligning ourselves to the identity that we're called to live in. We start to resemble who we belong to in his kingdom. And sometimes there are delicate areas in our lives where the Holy Spirit calls in another tool. And that tool is called counseling. Sometimes the Holy Spirit uses wise, godly counselors to help us walk and prune through processes that we need extra support in. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the heavy spirit, the heavy pruning God does in our lives. 
When we allow that heavy pruning of the Holy Spirit, it provides the greatest quality of fruit in our lives and allows us to thrive and flourish and walk in freedom. Spurgeon, who was one of the most influential preachers of the last several centuries, said it this way. The word, this word, is often the knife with which the great husbandman prunes the vine. And brothers and sisters, if we were more willing to feel the edge of this word and to let it cut away something that may be very dear to us, we shouldn't need so much pruning by affliction. It is because the first knife doesn't always produce that desired result that another sharp tool is used, which we are effectively pruned. I read that and I was like, okay. That was kind of sharp, but it's true. Sometimes if we would just submit to God's word, there are certain things that we won't have to learn the hard way through affliction and trials. Now, the most beautiful thing about this is that the Holy Spirit, when he prunes us, he does it with so much kindness and so much compassion and grace and mercy. He's gentle with us. I know it sounds heavy with, you know, the... the but he's gentle with us. He doesn't come after us to prune up with this big old hammer ready to slay and kill. No, he comes after us with love, with unconditional love, with love to saying, hey, let me take the load of it. Let me carry that. Let me cut that off because I need you to be fruitful. I need you to be aligned to me so that the world can see Jesus in you. The verse, um, John 15, verses 4 through 7, says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it shall be granted. The NLT version, which is the versions I've been using mostly up here, says the word remain. Other translations say the word abide. I love the word abide, right? The Greek word abide stands for the following, and I love this. The Greek word abide means remain, stay, reside, live, dwell, keep, stand, and inhabit. We need to remain. We need to stay. We need to inhabit. We need to live in Jesus. The word says that it is no longer I who lives. But Christ who lives in me, and if Christ lives in me, I'm called to remain, to stay, to abide in who he is. Now, what are those fruits that we as followers of Jesus Christ should be producing? Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And this is a very well-known scripture. What are they, guys? Talk to me. They're what? Love.
and against these, there is no law. Now notice, it says fruit, not fruits. Oh, this messed me up. This wrecked me up, guys. When I was little, they used to always say the fruits of the Spirit. There are nine fruits of the Spirit. They used to have all different kinds of fruit for each one. But the word actually says fruit. And in Greek, fruit is karpos. I probably killed that word. I don't speak Greek. But it's, it's, and the definition of that word means a result of something. When the fruit of the Spirit is displayed in our lives, it is a sign or result of us abiding in Jesus. Just like the branches of a grapevine must be connected to the vine to bear groups, to, to bear grapes, the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of us remaining, living, and abiding in Christ Jesus. These, these are attributes. All of these up here are attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. And I love that because it's a result. These are results of us abiding in him, of us being transformed by him, right? The last thing I want to share with you about pruning a grapevine is pruning a grapevine to be mature and filled with adequate fruit takes about three or four years of pruning. Maturity in Christ takes time. And so many of us get so impatient when we either see someone not producing a certain fruit or acting a certain way or within us. Sometimes we get impatient with ourselves when we're not seeing God change something really quick and immediately. Three to four years. It takes time for us to build good character. It doesn't happen overnight. In church, sometimes we're so quick to get upset with new believers in Christ. Or vice versa, we've been in Christ for so long that we're not actually growing and we're stagnant in our walk with Jesus. We need to allow God time to prune us. Believe me, you don't want something taken out very fast. <laughs> Some things we need, God takes it slow and, and a step at a time. And as we wrap up, let's look at the last three verses. John 15, 8 through 11 says, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will have, you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with, 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 there's an overflowing of joy when we allow God to prune us. It doesn't feel that way. It hurts. It's supposed to. But at the end result of that, there's such a joy that comes with that, that fuels us, that changes us. And those things that we were tied down to, we're not tied down no more to. We're free from that. 
right? We are God's workmanship. Ephesians 4 says, 410 says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has beforehand prepared for us to do. We are God's constant work. He is always working in us and through us. You were created in the image of God. And due to the sin that we're born into, that image gets distorted along the way. And God has to prune us to get us back in alignment to the image that we're called to live in. And when we do that, others will see the result of someone who has been abiding with Jesus in his word and in his presence. And as pastor comes up, I don't know where you see yourself today or where you are today in your pruning process. Maybe you're not in a pruning season, and that's okay because pruning is seasonal, right? But maybe you are in a pruning season and you're struggling you're struggling to let the Lord or to surrender something to God that you might hold very dear to you. God's telling you this morning, hand it over. No more struggling. Give it to me so that you can bear much fruit. Because when you start bearing fruit, you start producing even more fruit. God is calling us into intimate communion with him. Pruning is the process that develops us to be fruitful children of God. The world needs a church today that knows and understands the importance of abiding in him, abiding in his word, and walking in his Holy Spirit. Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together.